Yes. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Paid Search Podcast. My name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the greatest AdWords coach, consultant, manager, husband, dad, citizen on the planet, the great Chris Schaefer. Now, Chris, before we start, um, you're one of the you know few parents I'm close with. Not a lot of people yet in my friend group have kids. And I heard someone talking today about alcohol and children and like having the party at your house or letting your kids go out there. So I wanted to know what you do with your daughters. Do you let them drink at home <laughs> and have their friends over and have the party at home? Or do you just let them go out? Are you one of those parents that wants to just like feed them a full drip of like Smirnoff mm. all night long as long as they're in your house? Or do you let them go out? Um, well, uh, considering their ages, one and seven <laughs> the the boozing parties are very infrequent very infrequent at this point but um looking yeah. into the future i would you know um yeah go into the future here because that that is a hard one for me like uh, number one i hope my kids don't drink i don't i don't really drink i have a glass of wine every few nights one but Drinking in high school is a crazy thing, Chris, but it seems like a lot of people do it. I've had a friend who wrapped his car around a tree. Yeah. Luckily, he didn't get hurt. Yeah. It's just crazy. But I saw a lot of people drinking in high school. What do you do if you're a parent? Well, I, um, Jason, this is one of the few times I completely agree with the law that drinking should be completely prohibited for those that are underage. I know that there's a loophole for parents that can give their children alcohol, but I don't think that alcohol cigarettes, anything like that is something that should be made on a um, young level. So no, I would not give willingly give my children alcohol for them to experience under my own guidance and care. Um, I would rather them be fully knowledgeable adult, which for guys is maybe around 25, which is the age I was when I took 28. When I took my first drink, I was 25 years old. Wow. And uh, I would prefer for my, my daughters to be, you know, of age first. I, I don't think it's quite as casual as a lot of people think, but that's that's my thoughts there as a parent. Chris, I agree with you. Um, I just saw a lot of drinking in high school, and I saw a lot of parents who, I won't, won't say encouraged the drinking, but they tolerated right. it, and they hosted yeah. the parties at their house. And as an adult now, I'm 30 years old, I just, mm -mm. I, and one of the things I don't want to do is get in trouble with police and the government, because that's, if you're in that system, and I would never be in that system. But if you are, your life is over. I mean, it's oh, a yeah. horrible thing to go through. So, like, if someone's playing on my front yard, I'm a little worried, Chris. Like, I'm like, okay, don't get hurt. I don't want to be liable. I just can't imagine having a house full of 17-year-olds knowing that they're going to be driving there and driving away drinking. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. But I saw it a lot in high school. But, Chris, the reason I got boozing on the mind is we have a review this week uh, from Jared on iTunes, five-star review. We love your guys' reviews, and we, and we ask you uh, to please review and share the show. So I'm going to read Jared's review here today and see what you think of it, Chris. Jared says, I'm a marketing agency owner from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and love the show. As a certified Google partner, I sometimes find it challenging to find tested and proven content on Google AdWords. Chris and Jason, or as some people would say, Jason and Chris, <laughs> cover every single topic on AdWords in depth and still manage to entertain the audience with a little humor. While listening to the podcast, I often feel like I am back in college hanging out with my two best friends. Chris reminds me of the friend who always always is there to bail you out of jail or drive you home from a bar or help you pass the physics exam. On the other hand, Jason is the friend that talks you into cheating on your girlfriend <laughs> Skipping your morning class so you can be the first in line at drinking 
with Lincoln and skip out on purchasing deodorant and toothpaste for weeks so you take the money saved and spend it on several kegs for his annual Anything But Clothes themed party. Both friends serve their purpose and are great to be around. Go Tigers, Jared from Baton Rouge. Jared, thank you for your review, and I don't want to pop anyone's balloon here, but Chris, <laughs> I think Jared's got me down wrong. I did not have a sip of alcohol yeah. in college. Yeah. Um, if there were half-naked parties with women, they didn't tell me about them. Uh, as we know from earlier episodes, I was hot but didn't know it, and that was the hottest thing about me. And then uh, partying and drinking and no deodorant. Jared, I was the only guy in my house that cleaned our house. Mm. Okay, I was the I was the hygienic guy. And I, I signed up for the 8 a.m. classes to get my day done early. And I was the only one there on Fridays because everyone poisoned themselves with alcohol on Thursday exactly. night. So, Chris, yeah. I think Jared's got me wrong. Does he have you wrong? <laughs> uh, well, J- yeah, I, I understand. He feels at home. And, yeah, I mean, like I said at the first, I didn't have a drink until, uh, you know, my college years were actually over. Um, So there's one thing I think that contributes to this. And let me just give you a little insight into kind of what goes on behind the scenes for Jared and those listening. Jason and I do this, do AdWords every day for all year long. This is all we do. We don't jump over and do like home construction on the weekends, you know, or every other day we do AdWords. No, we do AdWords every day. So you're listening to us talk about what we know, what we know more than anything else in the world, really. This is our expertise. So we, you hear a lot of cockiness, a lot of um, attitude, a lot of like, we're not going to take your BS. We're not going to listen to stuff we don't agree with because we know what we're talking about. So the attitude that you hear a lot from Jason is because we're in his field and the same for me some of the cockiness and know-it-all attitude that you hear from me is because you're in my field and you're talking about stuff i know about and i don't take a lot of crap i mean i don't get pushed around by a lot of clients i mean i'll i'll fire them honestly if i get a client that tries to tell me i they know better than me i will literally fire that client and move on to one that will listen to me so little insight there jason is probably one of the most straight-laced uh, upfront, honest guys that I know. And that's the reason we are 124 episodes in is because of that. Yeah. So still love the review. Yeah, and then still he, love also, the review, though. Thank he you, also made an accusation about me that I, I forget what he said, but it was something about cheating on other people's wives or girlfriends or something like that or encouraging people. I'm a straight-laced guy. I'm, I walk the line. I'm not into cheating. I don't respect cheaters. There's only one guy's wife that I advise for. And it's just one. It's just, there's, there's just one woman who's someone else's wife that I have eyes for. That, mm. And we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Directive Consulting. Directive Consulting is the go-to B2B and enterprise search marketing agency. And if you need help with SEO, AdWords, content, they are our number one recommendation We thank them for sponsoring today's episode, and you can get a free custom proposal at directiveconsulting.com. So, Chris, today's episode, it's funny you you mentioned about not getting pushed around by people. Today's episode is how to deal with people who are pushing you around. Chris, we have some older people who listen to the show older than me, and I don't give advice to older people because they're already lost, and I, I don't give advice out for free to older people. But, Chris, I do give advice to younger people. Um, I can put myself in the shoes of especially a younger man because I was a younger man. And I was thinking about this episode last night, Chris, and I wanted to see your thoughts on this. And my two jaded 
Am I too cold a person? Because if someone asks me, what's the number one thing I've learned in 10 years of, of being in the business world, most of those on my own, what's the number one thing I've learned? And I would say, Chris, this is I'm not proud to learn this, but this is the way I see the world now. It's not everybody, but there's a huge percentage of people that I didn't realize when I was a young man or a kid that will just abuse and use people up in the business world Mm. until basically they kill them off. Like not literally, they're not hitting them, they're not shooting them, but they will just abuse and abuse and abuse and use till people are ground down to nubs and just totally wasted. Mm. So I don't know if I've just had some bad clients in the past or seen bad bosses, but I've seen that a lot. And that's the number one thing I've learned, Chris. And if you don't push back and stand up for yourself, no one's going to stand up for you. Is that too cold or do you see some of that stuff too? No, Jason. That's the number one thing I've learned. Yeah. I think I, uh, in the past eight months, I think I described to you literally hearing a guy's voice um, after reading a couple of his emails and having a hint about what kind of person he was. And he literally begged me to work on his campaign. And I kept putting him off until I just had to straight up say, no, leave me alone. Because I too have learned there are some people out there. And that fits what we're talking about today is we're talking about like, how do you get more out of something that feels like you've already gotten as much as you can out of it? That's really a difficult position to be in for for AdWords because we need to be able to continue to improve when it seems like you've reached the peak. And, you know, we don't talk a lot about that because most people are trying to improve upon a mess. But today we're talking about, you know, reaching a higher level beyond when you've already cleaned up the mess. Yeah. The way I wrote out the description for the show was like, your campaign's been running for years. You're a dedicated paid search podcast listener, or you're an agency person who's freaked out because uh, you don't know how to improve a client's campaign, and you just want to make something that you think is already great a little bit better. So if you're a business owner, you've been running your campaign for years, all your metrics are what you want, but you just don't want to do nothing. You want to see if there's anything better, or you're a freelancer and a client's beating you down you know it's as good as it can get, but they keep pushing what can you do, or you work in an agency, and Chris, Mm. hard to imagine this happening in an agency, because they just seem to be (laughs) so much about, like, just get them running, and and let's get some more. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of a a slave environment, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, but if you have one of the, if you do happen to have a crazy boss who wants to see a million changes in the change history every week, uh, but your campaign is already great, We're going to try to help you out. And so we're not going to take conversion rates from 10% to 30% or anything like that with this episode, but maybe we can get them from 10 to 11, something like that, or 20 to 21. Um, But Chris, we're just going to break down every part of Google Ads, every section, and what you can do with each section to squeeze out a little more of an already great campaign. So I'll start us off here. Um, When it comes to settings, let's look at the settings. If I had a campaign that was running great and it needed to run better... I would try out the accelerated at what it, I don't even know what it's called, Chris. The accelerated ad delivery is what it's called, yeah. as opposed to the standard, which meters it out through the day. I would try to do accelerated, max it out, and see if I could increase the spend or increase the clicks. We haven't talked about accelerated versus uh, standard a lot, but I find myself using accelerated when things are really, really going great and trying to get more. Is it, how do you look at accelerated versus standard? Yeah, um, I completely agree. When I see 
a campaign that has uh, more than enough budget, has a strong search impression share, and its uh, search terms list is solid and clean, then absolutely, Accelerated could work great. Totally agree yep. there. Another thing with the settings, Chris, is uh, location. So the first thing is, are you linked to Google My Business and have your location extension showing up in the ads? But beyond that, Chris, if someone nationally searches for your area and your service, are your ads showing up? And of course, that's people in or searching about. It's that advanced setting. Chris, I've got some clients where a lot of them are lawyers and Something traumatic, like a car accident, might happen to a kid in Dallas or say in Los Angeles, and their parents are at home in Dallas. And so the parents get a call from the hospital and they they go to their phone and they Google Los Angeles car accident lawyers. A Los Angeles car accident lawyer would want that case because the person who's hurt is in Los Angeles where he is, the lawyer is, but the person doing the search happens to be in Dallas. So this isn't something that happens on a lot of campaigns, but about 10% of the, their business I've seen for some of these lawyers comes from people searching from outside of the area. How big a miss do you think this is with a lot of clients? I I don't feel like this is the secret that would take a moderately successful campaign into a, a star level success, but I think you're about right with the 10%. You know, I have campaigns like we talked about with the example dentist campaign that we ran you know, uh, I've done that with plenty of other clients. And most of the time, I think 10% is maybe generous. Maybe it comes down to 5%, mm-hmm. something like that. It's usually really small. But yeah, you know, I think uh, I think you're probably right on that. It really depends on the area too, you know, like, uh, or so, excuse me, the kind of business it is. Because if it's carpet cleaners, no one's going to search for a Denver carpet cleaner when they're in Seattle. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's more of a high-end service, a more serious service, a B2B or a doctor thing. But it definitely is something we're trying. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I've really been liking lately, and I've actually been applying this across a lot of my accounts, this doesn't really fit into settings, but it's the audiences and demographics. Okay. I lay those together because the tabs are right beside each other. But um, let's talk about demographics first. Demographics being gender, age, and Household income. Household income depends on the client. Leave that alone. If you are not working with someone that is a company or your your service or whatever, your product is not specifically looking for a very exclusive type of person because that's not going to, unless you have some real good metrics there that point in a specific direction, leave those alone. But for the gender and the age, think that could certainly be an area to trim up. A lot of times, I've just like Jason talked about early in the podcast, long time ago, 18, that 18 to 24 bracket um, is going to be a great place to cut off some of the clicks. You know, if you're, if you're selling um, home insurance or you're selling, you know, a lot of things that young bracket would just not be a good fit for. So, Moving on to audiences, what I love doing, and this is, again, this is a tip from you, Jason, that I've applied. I've been applying more and more. I've been testing it out, and I love it. It's the observation setting for audiences. I just go in there, and I've just been adding everything. I wish there was an add all button because I'm so tired of clicking checkboxes, but I'll go in and just click, that click, would click, be cool. click, click, yeah. click. Add all of those uh, as observations in the audiences tab at the campaign level. 
as long as it's observation, I can see what kind of, I now have a whole nother layer of data on what type of person this is. If they have an affinity for right. uh, finance or shopping or home improvement or something like that. And then there's the additional detailed demographics, which get into home ownership and whether you're a parent and, and what age the parent or age the children are. It's really interesting stuff. And I think this is a high level type of thing. And, you know, we're talking small adjustments here. You may find that. What are you seeing with that? Like what kind of accounts have you, have you turned observation on well, for? I'm turning it on for all of them. I was testing it on some, but as I go through my daily checks on stuff, when I come to that account, I turn on audiences for everything. So I'm just now starting to get some real data on it, but I'm finding that there will be certain clients that have uh, high impression volumes for certain affinities. Uh, for example, a business service will have, I've, I've seen a lot of impressions on someone who's interested in financial services or you know, it would make sense business type of thing. So when they're searching for this business right. service, they have an affinity for financial and business and software and things like that. So it makes sense. It's really falling into place. And I say, wow, this is a great opportunity to bid more on those and maybe block out right. some of the things that I see too much volume on and uh, maybe bid 30% less on some of those ones that aren't performing well. So great stuff. And this, this is all about squeezing just pure top 0.1% greatness out of an already great campaign. Yeah. So the more options we have here with like these audience overlays, it, it really it depends on how much time you have to put into a campaign or an account, but it really does call for, I think, making copies of the campaigns at the campaign tab level and splitting them up depending on the audience. So like if you have a great campaign out there and you found a certain audience that goes with that those search keywords that has a great conversion rate and cost per conversion, depending on how much time you have, it really does make the case for copying that campaign and in one campaign, changing it from observation to targeting and only targeting that audience and making sure you're maxing that out and then in the other campaign, excluding that audience so they don't overlap. And you could do that with multiple different kinds of audience overlays, Chris. And again, it depends on how much time you have. But like if I was a business owner and I do this with some of my remarketing campaigns, and I'm going to start doing it with search now with the audience overlay, you really can get super granular here at the campaign level. Um, so, and, and the way you would do that without ruining your current campaign is by copying and pasting and using the, the existing campaign for the audience that's getting the best results. And Chris, all this brings me to the final tip here when it comes to the settings is to experiment with different bidding strategies. And I think possibly the best way to do this is also to copy and paste the campaign, pause the existing one, and try out the new campaign with the new strategy. Or if you're able to do bidding strategies at the experiment level, set up an experiment with a different bidding strategy. But the reason I say that, Chris, is because you can run a manual bid uh, for a long, long time, think you're doing great, and then all of a sudden try target CPA or something if you have a lot of conversion data and be floored by the difference in results yes. like I was recently. Yeah. And the reason I've been getting more into target CPA as I get on campaigns that have more, like more and more conversion data, like only on campaigns that have a lot of conversion data, is because of all these options, Chris. Like location bid adjustments, mm -hmm. device bid adjustments, income, 
audience overlays, gender, time of day. There's so many different factors now that you can adjust bids on. It's kind of becoming overwhelming, to be honest. And I just like the idea of the system, if it actually works that way, going, hey, we'll look at all those factors, including every single audience that exists that we get data on, and adjust those bids for you to get your target CPA. The problem with that, Chris, is I don't know if target CPA does that. It's kind of a black box. They don't tell us exactly what they take into effect or adjust bids on. I wish we could get some more data on that. But are you getting to the point now with these audiences, the income, the gender, the time of day, where it's just become the geo, the cities, where it's just kind of becoming, hey, how many bid adjustments do I set up and how do I keep track of them? Yeah, I mean, when you think about like, what is my final CPC coming to once it goes through all these filters, starting at audiences, going down to demographics, through all the devices and time of day? Yeah, it's really complicated, but in the end, I'm not really concerned what I come out to in the end, as long as each layer is appropriate for that layer, as long as my proper age group is set, as long as my proper device is set, I'm happy with it. You know, it's not anything I'm super concerned about because I know I'm doing what I should be doing. And with the CPA black box, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but I've been seeing some great results as well. Asterisk when you have solid conversion data. Do not turn it on when you have lots 10, of conversions. Do not turn it on if you have 10 conversions in a month. Don't turn it on if right. you have maybe 15, uh, 20, 30. Okay, now we're talking. 50, absolutely. And, and just to be clear, What Jason was talking about is he's talking about the experiment, set up an experiment and do a 50-50 split. We've talked about experience before. Go back and listen to that episode. But uh, I would not advocate swapping back and forth. had a client that was doing that a lot, swapping between maximized clicks, maximized conversions, CPA bidding, manual bidding. It's just, you know, every other week you swap into something different. That's not experimenting. That's just spazzing out. That'll get you in trouble, Chris. Um, Now, those are our tips for the settings area, how you can just kind of try to squeeze more and more success out of the settings area. Um, We've still got plenty of tips coming up with keywords, ads, ad groups, and then going into display campaigns. But first, I want to take a second to talk about today's sponsor, Directive Consulting, directiveconsulting.com. They're the go-to business-to-business search engine marketing agency. And today's growth story is about their work with GPS TrackIt. GPS TrackIt is a fleet management software and hardware company. And so this is classic B2B. They sell their software to fleet companies. For, uh, I would assume companies like furniture, people who deliver furniture, trucking companies, all that kind of stuff. So this is as business to businessy as it gets. And the challenge with business to business is that it's not as straightforward in terms of the keywords like a moving company or a plumber. So it really takes a high level of skill. So GPS track its problem was that they had a small marketing budget, a limited budget, but they really needed to grow. So they were in a spot where they needed the spend that they were going to spend now on this campaign to actually increase revenue and help them grow their business. They needed that. So there wasn't a lot of time for experimenting, not a lot of time to try to figure things out. They needed action now. And so Directive took a three-pronged approach. The first thing they did was they redid the site architecture uh, on the website to help increase the SEO 
ranking. So that helped increase traffic from SEO. They also increased the paid search results and went after paid keywords. And again, it's that two-tier strategy we always talk about. And then the final prong in their approach was changing the site layout to try to get more conversions. Chris and I see this all the time. You can have a great AdWords campaign. You can be getting great organic traffic. But if your website is not set up to just get inundated with conversions, you won't get a lot of conversions. You have to have forms in the right place. You have to have call-out language in the right place. You have to have phone numbers in the right place. And Directive did that for this company. So let's go over results. Directive was able to get a 245% increase in the form submissions. They were able to get a 78% increase in organic visits. And their keyword rankings in the top three went up by 50 keywords that they ranked in the top three for. So those were the results. And then this company's marketing manager was impressed with their service enough to give a quote. She said, outside of conversions, we have seen an increase for the return on investment given by our landing pages. Our rankings have been increasing steadily after the site launch, which was surprising to us. Usually at this point in the relationship with an SEO company, there comes a period of excuses and requests to wait for three months before seeing any kind of results. I have heard that from a lot of SEO companies, but directive has handled backlinking behind the scenes and worked on our pay-per-click campaign, optimizing our keywords and moving the budget around. This made a significant difference. So Directive was able to turn around GPS track it search engine marketing campaigns very quickly, and I know they can do it for you as well. They offer a free custom proposal at directiveconsulting.com. Tell them the paid search podcast boys sent you, and we thank them for supporting today's episode. So Chris, Getting back to squeezing more juice out of the lemon, squeezing more, you know, Chris, people say if someone was trying to beat down me with one of these accounts and they said, I'm going to need to make more lemonade out of this lemon, I'd say, I'm going to, I'm going to stick this hairy lemon up your hairy butt because (laughs) I don't react well to that, Chris, but that's why we want our listeners to do better than us. So if you can't say that to your boss. Of course you could, but you may get fired. Uh, But hey, it's a great economy. You can move around. There's 7 million jobs that haven't been filled. So I say, say it. But if you can't, you need more tips to try to squeeze more out of their already great campaign. Chris, here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Keywords. Yeah. And our first tip there is test out competitors. Why don't you, this is not something we talk about a lot. It's not something you and I do a lot. Yeah. But Just give people an idea that if they can make this work, if they want to go down that road, give them an idea on like how much more volume there is to get. Okay. If they're able to actually make it work. Yeah. So I'm going to briefly talk about some of the, uh, what you don't want to do. Then I'm going to talk about here's what you do want to do. So competitors are going to naturally show up when you set up an AdWords campaign, no matter what, because there's going to be competitors out there that offer competitor name, their, their last name plus the industry. So it's going to be Stewart's plumbing and they're going to show up in your search results because you're going to have plumbing keywords. Okay. So it's going to happen. So first things first, my recommendation, this is not everybody, but I'm here to talk about what I do. I block competitors out of my main campaign. Okay. Let's say you've done that. You're happy with it. It's working for you. What you want to do from there, if you want to try competitors, set up a competitor campaign and target very precisely who you want to target. Use phrase and exact 
and monitor those results separately. Be very careful because you can make some people angry and you may start a bidding war on your own brand name when they do the same thing to you. So be aware of that. I've seen it way too many times and now they're spending like 30% of their monthly spend on their own brand name because you're in a bidding war against Stanley Plumbing. So that's how I would approach it. I would suggest keeping it out of your main campaign and if you want to pursue it, pursue it in a logical manner approach with independent competitors that are most important to you and see how it performs. I think that's a great tip to put it in its own campaign. I, I When I've done that in the past, I've put it in its own ad group, which for the most part gets the same thing done. The problem is, Chris, it eats up out of the same budget yeah. and it, it ruins the overall campaign statistics. So if you're looking at like a year over year analysis and all of a sudden you throw in competitor keyword data, it can make the analysis job kind of difficult. So yeah, I like your tip about a different campaign. The next tip to, to squeeze more, and this is another tip with keywords that can totally increase the volume by a ton. Now, what happens with that volume is a uh, could go multiple ways, but it will increase the volume a ton. Pure, broad match keywords, Chris, mm -hmm. like a pro. We have a great episode yes. out there. I waver on this more than a Jennifer Lopez marriage. You know what I'm saying? Like some some weeks I want to do mm -hmm. pure, broad match keywords like a pro. Some weeks I like the conversion data. I like the low cost per click. Other weeks I, I get fed up with the client getting um, inundated with uh, results that would make them mad in terms of like, I get feedback, like, how did we even get a call about that? Why did this guy even fill out our lead form like that? Like, so it, it can go both ways. And one thing that makes me mad sometimes is I select only the broad keywords and I look at the search terms for those oh. broad keywords. And I'm like, <laughs> man, all this yeah. stuff we're getting conversions from it, we'd show up on anyway. Yeah. So I, I waver, Chris, uh, sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. One of the benefits is, is that you get, it's kind of like the only way to do keyword research these days. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you can get a ton of data in your search terms and find good keywords that you're not showing up on and then target those keywords as non-broad match. So if you're trying to grow, I think sacrificing a little budget to get some more keyword data and try to find some more searches that to target without broad is a way to do it. Is this something you would tell a client like if they were just hammering you chris i'm like i want more i want more i want more would you go down the road of broad keywords oh yeah absolutely and i completely identify i think a more uh culturally appropriate uh metaphor is i waffle back and forth like a ariana grande engagement you know so it's something that i love and some things that i hate and uh and i'm back and forth so I'm terrified often by what I see with the search terms, yeah. but sometimes you, you see a click for $3 and you see a conversion on it and, and it's some stupid keyword and you're like, I would never target that, but it worked and you see really great stuff. So uh, approach it with caution in the same way that we would approach, you know, like, like I talked about the, the uh, competitor stuff and I totally agree. Right. Um, a moment of silence for our big red keyword, which has not shown up in the day of death is approaching soon for the old UI. Google, if you're listening, yep. I mean, I don't know what amount of shame that I would not be willing to do to get that big red keyword button back. I love my wife, but you know, I don't know what it would take, Google. Just please, just give us that red keyword back. 
Well, Chris, you're falling on deaf ears because it's over. <laughs> it's not coming back, and you need to man up and figure out a way around it. And I think I have, Chris. You have to ask yourself if you're trying to get even more out of an already great campaign. Do I really have every keyword? And the answer is you don't. No. You never do. I don't. Chris doesn't. And you, listener, you don't. And Chris, the only way I can tell people how to find more keywords because they don't have every keyword, the way I do it lately, Chris, is I go to google.com and I search for news about myself. No, that's not true. (laughs) I go to google.com and I search for some of my keywords and I try to come up with new ideas. And the place I'm looking at, Chris, a little bit on the auto suggestion at the top, but for the most part, the suggested other related searches at the bottom of the screen. So I'm just going to do this live here, Chris. If I had a moving company and I needed, I haven't done this. If I needed more office moving keywords, I'm going to type an office mover into Google. And I'm going to look down at the bottom. Scroll down to the bottom where the suggested is. Yeah, I'm going to see, yeah, searches related to office mover. Office movers near me. Office furniture moving companies. Office moving companies near me commercial movers. So now I'm going to click on commercial movers and go to the very bottom. Commercial moving services near me. Business moving companies. Mm. Business, business moving instead services. of office. Chris. Yeah. There you go. See? Business is not something that comes to my mind a lot. I always think office and commercial. So that's how I do it. That's real time. And that's really interesting because what you stumbled upon is a keyword there that would need to be phrase match and not modified broad. It need to be business moving because if you put business moving as a modified broad you would trigger for keywords that were moving businesses right and that's not what you're looking right. for it need to be a phrase big match. booty girl moving that business right like there you, you go and you, you got to click you just spent seven dollars like on that stupid person looking for big booty girl <laughs> that's exactly right moving that shaking that business yeah, Chris, it just, I'm, I'm looking at some of these uh, other suggestions there. It goes on and on and on. Okay, so now I clicked on business moving services. And then at the bottom of that search, now it's saying industrial moving services oh. is related. And let me, let me go down that rabbit hole. And it says big booty videos. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's so here, history. Here's another that's one. That's on your history. Chris- <laughs> yeah, that's- <laughs> stop, stop, Chris, stop, stop. Chris, so now, Chris, I clicked on industrial moving services, and now I see uh, warehouse moving companies. Um, I see heavy equipment movers near me. I see a ton of moving search terms every day based on the standard keywords, phrase, broad match, modified, exact. We don't ever see warehouse come up in the search terms based on our standard keywords. So that's a new keyword I could find and ask the client, hey, do you do, would you take a warehouse job? So that's an example of how I go through those searches. And if I see warehouse moving companies there, then I'll do a search like warehouse relocation or stuff like that. So, And then you see what the related is on that. That's how I'm getting a lot of ideas, Chris. And so, no, you don't have all the keywords. Just start doing some searches like that for your industry, and you'll find some some good ideas there. And the, the reason you have to go to Google is because you're not going to see those pop up in your search terms if your keywords are locked down the way they should be. Hmm. Um, you're just not going to get a whole lot of new ideas. Right. So I love doing that. And then the final keyword tip, Chris, is what's the search impression share on your best conversion producing keywords? 
And if it's not 99% or better, 100%, you've got work to do. You either need to put those best conversion producing keywords in their own campaign so you can max the budget, or you need to increase the bids on them a little bit so they're not missing out due to any ad rank. Yeah. Uh, but that's it with keywords. I think, Chris, besides the settings, probably keywords is the number one area where you can grow if, if the goal is to grow and already great campaign you may not like the way you're growing once you start growing but it's definitely the number one way to grow and get more yeah i mean i I feel like settings is more of an optimization area and keywords is more of a growth and exploration area so yeah absolutely agree i mean you don't you don't go into settings to try and find new ideas you go into settings to tweak and then you go into keywords to explore new galaxies so Jason, I'm going to jump straight to one of the things that I came across uh, with some recent training I was doing, campaign that runs great conversion rates, solid uh, negative keyword lists, you know, great looking search terms. I mean, it's hard to even find something to... Were you looking at one of my campaigns? No, 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 Jason. Believe it or not, there are other people out there that do good jobs with AdWords. I know you you don't believe it, but... This guy was, you know, had a solid campaign build and I had trouble finding ways to optimize. But here's what I kept finding. He had basically optimized the heck out of, you know, one ad group. Uh, one ad group will have two modified broad keywords in it. And uh, okay. those modified broad keywords will have a bunch of negatives, have a bunch of exact negatives in there. I mean, he spent years optimizing these two terms and they're great. But that's all he has. So he has no ability to dive into subcategory keywords. So if it's, he might have uh, Dallas plumbers, but what about people, maybe it's more valuable to find people that are looking for uh, sink repair or home improvement plumbers or you know uh, home construction plumbers or you know, things that are worth more to him as a business than just little home repair jobs. Um, so... The problem is the inability to deep dive into subcategories of what those modified broad terms. The solution is to break those out into separate ad groups. Having things broken out into separate ad groups gives you the ability to bid more heavily and more strongly and target with specific ads those additional terms that fall underneath that major category. So Plumbers Dallas, major category. That's going to cover a lot of stuff. Sink Plumbers Dallas, more precise there, okay? Leak, right. Leaky Sink Plumbers Dallas. I mean, now we're just getting down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, there's going to be a lot less there. And if that's valuable to you, you can bid the heck out of that one um, and push that keyword. And you can't do that unless you have the ad groups broken out with the appropriate ads in each one of them. That's my tip there is to... To hammer on those ad groups. Jason, you like that? Get just get more just to once you know what you want to target, get more ad groups starting from a super, super small base. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have seen that with a lot of clients where uh you get access to their account and things look okay. They look pretty good because they like their cost per conversion and, and everything's going good. But it's like a lot of them do do those two to three word broad match broad match modified and just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And one or two keywords just picks up so many different things. So the thing is, what if someone searches emergency plumbers Dallas? Your ad's not going to be about emergency. The other guy's is. There you go. So you can squeeze more out of exactly. it. Exactly. Um, Chris, my final couple tips here. 
assembly line ad copy testing. Not a lot of people do this. If you if you took every AdWords manager you knew, stripped them naked, chaired them to a, a lie detector test, wow. starved them for a week, and put true serum in them, and asked them how often they changed their ads, not a lot of people would be able to say, we have brainstorming sessions and come up with new ad copy on a bi-weekly or weekly basis and implement those ads and try to find that silver bullet click-through rate ad copy. Not a lot of people do that, Chris. If you have an already great campaign, you've already done the keyword work we've talked about. You've already stretched out your keywords. The final thing I think you can do is keep testing different ad copy over and over and over and try to find that silver bullet of really skyrocketing your click-through rate and getting more out of the same market. Um, So really trying to improve click-through rate with ad copy. And then remarketing, Chris, and display. You can go strong with your remarketing bids. Everyone needs to take their remarketing bids and and multiply them by five right now. Um, There's a lot more remarketing for people to get than they understand. And then keyword contextual, Chris, it's not easy. But if you need to grow an already great campaign, that is definitely what we call a growth area. Um, you'll be able to spend some money. Yeah, I don't know if I'm with you on the the AdWords remarketing bids, but that's a discussion for another day, Jason. Because today we're, I think we're going to call. I, it I don't think house. you're a good husband. That's a discussion for <laughs> another, another day. day. We're, I'm sitting right here, Chris. I'm sitting right here. I can talk about it, Chris. I don't like that tactic. Mm-hmm. You're not going to run and hide. No. I have just seen what remarketing has done for me. And I've seen how much I've had to bid for it. It's way more than anybody else talks about. So I, if you're trying for to grow... For lead generation. For lead generation. Yeah, what are we doing here, Chris? Well, see, I I often don't find it to be quite so lead generating uh, with a lot of my clients. I find it to be more valuable for just awareness. I get a lot more feedback of people like, hey, I see your ad all over the place. Or, hey, you know, my client's ad showing up all the time. The, the people that he works with love it, you know. So it really helps us look good. Uh, I would I would say segmenting your remarketing list. That's where okay. I've actually gotten a uh, lot more okay. See people who are specifically interested in one industry. Put a pin in it. I don't like the way you tease these strong tips out of me. I'm not trying to come on here and give tips like that, Chris, but you squeeze them out of me <laughs> with your little manipulation. I am. Call me the great manipulator. So, well, Jason, I say put a pin in it. Let's talk about that. Yep. Because that's a great topic. And if you guys would like to hear us talk about stuff... We're here for you to listen, and what better for you to listen to than your own ideas? Share them with us. Tell me what you have questions about. Send in your comments to paidsearchpodcast.com, and we'll answer them here. Note in your in your message that, hey, this is more of a general question that would be great for the main show, or please answer this on the PPC Questions and Answers show, which is an alternate show that we do. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take it out. Directiveconsulting.com is our sponsor. My name is Jason, that is Chris, and we will catch you guys next time on... I want to talk so bad. (laughs) I want to talk so bad. Leave, Jason. I don't need you. This is a Chris week. This is the Paid Search Podcast. Thank you for subscribing. Have a nice day.